All right, welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, a very, very special live show of Worst Seats in the House coming to us from Kowalski's in Uptown. This used to be my Kowalski's when I lived here in downtown Minneapolis, and uh, it's one of my favorite, favorite ones. In fact, it's one of the first grocery stores I've ever been to in Minnesota way back when I got here about 17 years ago. Anthony, and you're sitting next to... Troy, the grill master that beat you in last year's yeah. Kowalski's in Shoreview. Yeah, I'm 0-1, and I will remain 0-1 because we agreed not to make it a competition tonight. So tell us what you guys are going to be grilling over there. Well, I'll, I'll let Troy fill us in here. Troy's the he heads up the meat and seafood for all the koal, the meat and seafood buying and everything for all of the Kowalski's. So last time we went Akaushi, this time we're going with the USDA Prime, and this is a new line of prime. I know that Kowalski's has just ventured down this road to get 40 day age prime. This stuff's unbelievable. Yeah. We're, uh, we've always aged beef, Anthony, and, and you know that you've been a loyal shopper for, for years at all of our Kowalski stores and we've I always put, quality. Yeah. I go back for quality. That's right. Uh, we've always put age on our beef, but, uh, this spring we decided to do some testing and just put some more age on it. So they're being aged 40, 40 to 50 days. If you're lucky, you might find some that's even 60-day age. I do have some 60-day age top sirloin. So it's all USDA prime, uh, raised in the Midwest, fed Midwest raised corn. Uh, just, we think, the best domestic beef program in the country. But it starts right from the ranch itself to the aging facility. It's all exclusive for Kowalski's. That's right. Uh, our, our beef supply partner is Creekstone Farms. They're located about 40 miles north of the Oklahoma, Kansas border. Uh, you won't find Creekstone beef in any other grocery store in the state of Minnesota. Now, you can find it at some real high-end uh, white tablecloth steakhouses, but as far as retail goes, we have an exclusivity with them. And tonight, so far, we've got ribeyes and strips. You're in charge of the ribeyes. I'm going to take the strips. So we're going just salt and pepper on these, which is my favorite way to do it. And obviously, you're on board the same way. Yeah, keep it simple. With this high-quality beef, there's no need to marinate or use any type of fancy seasoning. Keep it simple, classic, salt and pepper, and it'll turn out great. Cook them rare, right? I know you're a rare yeah, plus. A rare, rare plus guy. guy, probably. For sure, with the strips, I'd go rare plus. The ribeyes, depending on the marbling, if there's a ton of marbling in them, I'll sometimes go a little bit closer to medium rare just because it'll, it'll melt in there and I, I feel like it's still tender. I don't want to go past medium rare, though, for sure, even with those. But, like, these ribeyes, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'd go all the way to medium rare with those. Or Is that your plan? I, I'm going to do pretty close to where you're at, 125, 130, and they're done. Okay. Yeah, and I might even go a hair less on the strips. Although these strips, much like the Akaushi, like, you'll get marbling in these strips like you'd normally get in a ribeye which is crazy. You get the flavor of the ribeye, but the leanness of a strip. It's such a perfect combo. Yeah. Strips are my favorite steaks and these ones today are extra marbled. So hopefully everybody enjoys them. We've got some, we'll have some samples for those who came out to join us tonight and we'll, have, we'll serve you guys first before Michael, cause he's busy. He's hosting the show. Although you wouldn't know it right now with the you know commitment to the telephone. That's just you guys feel you guys are just like I am now when we go to dinner on the road. You sit across the table from him. He works on his phone while I focus on dinner. Tell everybody the the story in Detroit once. Yeah, the Detroit one was a good one actually, and it wasn't just Michael. It was Mike Greenlay and Kevin Gorg and I and Michael. So we we leave morning skate before the Wild are going to play the Red Wings, and and I hadn't been there yet. This was my first trip to Detroit because. The first couple of years that have been national TV. And so these guys said, hey, there's this great lunch spot. So we're going to go have lunch Time before we go back hotel. to the rink. 
We walk to this place. We all sit down at the table, and the three of them are all just staring at their phones, scrolling Twitter. I don't know what they're doing. The waitress comes to the table and says, well, would you guys like to hear the specials? And not one of them even looks up. And I just looked at her, and I said, well, I would. So she tells me the special, tells me the soup, and she looks at the other three of them and said, are they, do they even know I'm here? And I said, nah, they'll figure it out when I get food. So she takes my order. I order a bowl of soup. She leaves. She comes back with my soup, and that's the first time the three of them look up. Wait, did, you ordered already? And I was like, well, we had a conversation for minutes while you guys were busy. <laughs> so then she turns, and I forget which guy went first. It might have been Kevin who went first. Who says, well, what is the soup? So she tells him the soup and then turns to Mike Greenlay and says, and for you, uh, what kind of soup do you have? And it's almost becoming a comedy routine at this point. She gets to Michael Russo. Yeah, what what is the soup? What is that soup? And, I mean, I, she just turned to me and just said, good luck, with, and walked <laughs> away. So she gave us the specials and the soup four times. We did finally get it all figured out. But that's just kind of the norm with one of us pays attention to dinner, the other one pays attention. The other story I love is when we were in Toronto at that steakhouse. It was just you, uh, Mike Russo, Mike Greenlay, and I. And the two of them are, they're reading Twitter or whatever, and I'm just kind of BSing with the table next to me. And I'm chatting with these people for like an hour. And they finally get up to leave, and they said, did your guys even know that you're in a restaurant? I said, nah, it's fine. As they say that, Michael Russo turns to me and goes, hey, look at this. Have you ever seen this guy who punches a kangaroo? And it was <laughs> like some viral video on Twitter, apparently. And, and again, the people were just like, yeah, enjoy your dinner. And, I mean, that's... That was a high-end restaurant, too. It was. It was yeah, a great steakhouse. Yeah, yeah. Right next to Toronto, uh, to the Air Canada Center. So, again, we're, uh, we're seats in the house. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanter. Our next live show is September 12th at um, Tuttle's. Uh, glad to be back at Tuttle's. Uh, definitely one of my favorite places out in Hopkins. Always packed when, every, when we're out there as well. So, t- September 12th is our next live show. We are actually going to be doing three live shows in the month of September at Between Tettles and Elsie's, and we'll let you know the other dates uh, coming up. Um, Anthony, do you know what Twitter Spaces is since you're I have had no free, idea. having fun making it? Well, well you, you hosted about a 20-minute <laughs> chat today on Twitter Spaces. I, I'm not familiar with Twitter Spaces, so... I think the best if part I did, of that... it was accidental. Yeah. You somehow, Anthony, butt-dialed into a hosting a live chat on Twitter today that apparently had hundreds of people... While your phone was on mute, and the best part of the screen capture that everybody sent me, and I've been getting a lot of stuff at your expense the last couple of days, by the way, which we'll talk about that next. All right. Um, but the uh, your mom joined this thing. Have you talked to your mom since then? Since you I uh, this started is actually, this is the first I've heard of it. So no, I haven't. Ta- I'm, if my mom knew what it was, I'm a little worried that I've never even heard of it. But I was playing golf today, so I don't even know how it happened. I mean, I must have my phone must have been open when I threw it in my pocket, maybe or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. But I, I don't didn't, even know I how didn't to start post it. anything on Twitter, so I have no idea how yeah. Twitter was even open. On that my could phone. be very, very dangerous to like accidentally like call like host a live chat. Well, I've never really been anywhere I wasn't supposed to be, so yeah. I guess I could. But you've breathe said a lot of things there. you probably shouldn't. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> yeah. You especially. I hope it wasn't on yeah. like when I hit my tee shot on number yeah. seven because okay. that would have been a problem. Um, the other thing is uh, yesterday you happened to show up at the State Fair late for your PA appointment. Well, that's that in general terms is true. I did show up at the fair on time, but I couldn't get through the gate as quickly as I was hoping. 
and had a little snafu with the, I knew I was going to be pushing it. So I asked Margo if she dropped me off at the fair, so I didn't have to take the time to park. Uh So she drops me off and I run to the gate and I get to the gate at like nine. I was supposed to be on at nine 20 on the, on the radio. And I, but I, all of a sudden there's a really long line to buy tickets. So while I was waiting in the line, I went, I said, there gotta be a way to buy tickets online. So I go online and buy the tickets and I'm about halfway through the line at the time says, yep, ticket purchase confirmation, hit this button to have them sent to you by text. So I hit the button. I go over to the line now where you have tickets and I'm waiting for the text, waiting for it doesn't come. It doesn't come. And I show the guy, I said, look, here's my order confirmation Mm -hmm. that says I have a ticket to the fair. I'm not like just trying to run past you. And he says, I got to see the barcode. I was like, well, I'm waiting for it. And it never came, never came. Finally, when he looked the other way, I just went. And, and, <laughs> oh and because I, was I like, did not know yeah, that. I was, well, I was supposed to be on the air in like you... four minutes. So I just, because I, I, I felt, <laughs> I didn't feel guilty because I did buy the ticket. I had the order confirmation. So I just went, I ran to the, I ran most of the way to the booth. I get to the booth and it was three minutes after I was supposed to be there. As a Final note to the story, I did get the text at 2 a.m. from the fair oh my with my goodness. ticket. Wow. Yeah, so I it's a good thing I didn't is, wait. Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, yeah, shocker that uh, you were waiting. You know, it's. I mean, the barcode thing is because of counterfeit tickets. I mean, I, like I remember in, ni- in like the mid to late 90s, I bought Counting Crows tickets on the street in Atlanta to go see them at the Tabernacle, which is an epic place to see a concert, by the way. And... Um, yeah, I bought counterfeit tickets. And uh, man, I got to get a couple strips off the grill here. So you talk about well, your, somebody, your concert uh, somebody trips. Somebody already came up and wanted to, wanted to get one from me. Right, that, yeah. was, that was, I really I wish. I feel like I'm at there a booth at the State Fair. Yeah, two things that I wish that we were on camera so far in the show was one, that guy coming up and just trying to grab a steak off the grill with his hands. And two, it was uh, you. Well, he did ask how much they were. He was willing to pay for it. Okay, you should have charged him. Um, and then the other one was you at the state fair. I advertising Somebody spot actually tweeted on. me that said that they actually saw this incident going on and wished he took a picture. And I'm like, yeah, so did I did same with me. Um, what's cool about, uh, right now where we're at in Kowalski's is the setting. We're under these awesome trees. It's a beautiful night. There's actually fans of the Russo Suhan, sh- uh, Russo. Oh man. Wow. I just went back three years or something. The, the Russo LaPanta show actually sitting in their cars here. Like it's a drive-in movie, which I don't think anybody in our crowd knows what drive-in movie theaters are like, but there are people actually sitting in their cars listening to this. So it's pretty cool. So let's get to some hockey talk here. The wild today signed Sam Steele. Um, you know, all along, I think we've been waiting for the Wild to add one forward at some point. I think it's been very clear from, um, you know, things that we've talked about on the show that the Wild had a couple trades that they thought were potentially options this summer that, that did fall through. Um, not sure how, how far along they got, but definitely things that Bill Guerin wanted to do were not able to get done. And finally, I think they had this in the back pocket. I tweeted out on July 13th, the first day of free agency, that this guy made a lot of sense because I had started to hear that the Wild showed interest. Um, but clearly they showed interest at a time when he was probably still, uh, in his mind, a $2 million or more player. And they got him at a bargain, eight twenty five. Um, the biggest question is why did Anaheim cut him loose? New uh, owner, new uh uh, GM there, new management, new, new everything, and yet they felt like it was it was not worth keeping a 24-year-old former junior star um, with clear skill, hard worker, all that type of stuff. So why was that 
the case? Well, we'll all find out. I mean, clearly those guys knew him more than the Minnesota Wild, and they didn't feel like it was an option. Or they didn't feel like it was a, a desire theirs to keep him, which is a little bit concerning. Kind of reminds me of when Ryan Donato was cut loose here and other guys as well. It just always feels to me like the team that has him knows a lot more about him than the team that's getting him. And so we'll see. Maybe Sam Steele is going to come in motivated and prove he'll have a lot to prove. Um, clearly, this is somebody that in juniors was an unbelievable hockey player, unbelievable scorer, leading scorer in the CHL with 131 points, WHL Player of the Year, 50 goals, 131 points. His, his uh, last year there led his team to a Memorial Cup, was a Memorial Cup MVP. Clearly, there's skill there, but so far it has not transpired in the NHL. So we'll, we'll see if you it, know, it, it the, does. One thing to keep in mind with all that, too, and everything you say is valid, but Anaheim right now has a pretty good batch of young guys coming up. Tavish is the one that everybody's saying right, sort of and, pushed and him so, out. And I think there's just a lack of spots. And yeah. I've always looked at Sam Steele as a guy that I thought might turn into a better player than he had shown. And we'll have to see. Mike, some similarities to the Tyson Jost situation, That's I think. Exact, and, I, man, it's like you're on my text message. I texted with a scout today that said it's very similar to Tyson Jost. The whole pedigree of him. Um, two-way smart forward, not a great skater, but he's got a low stature, which kind of makes him sometimes look a little slower than he is, but he's clearly got skill, um, you know, can win draws. Um, to me, it's a no-risk upside, um, you know, move. If, if he could somehow uh, add something to a team that, it, look, uh, you know, right now they have some question marks in their lineup. Uh, Jordan Greenway will miss the start of the season. He, I believe, um, from everything – I so according to sources of mine um, – he had a second procedure recently. Um, today, when I asked Bill Guerin, and I've asked him a couple times, Bill Guerin wouldn't comment to me if he didn't have that second procedure. He would just deny it, say you're not right. So the fact that he didn't deny it makes me think that I'm being told the right thing. Um, he said he'll miss uh, early. He'll be back early in the season. So what does that mean? Uh, the Wild. Uh, I mean, that's Bill Guerin's way. He's always vague on injuries, so we don't know the timeline. John Merrill will also miss the start, but because of the whole Greenway situation. Now, what it does, I mean, if you put Felino on the left wing, Anthony, you could put maybe Freddie Goudreau on the right there with Erickson Eck. That might make a lot of sense. Or you put Tyson Jost on the left, Felino still on the right with Erickson Eck, and then you have a third line. Maybe Rossi wins that job with Jost. And if Jost isn't there, then Goudreau's there. And so Sam Steele right now is a fourth line guy. Um, but we'll see. Um, I think he for sure is a guy that's going to have a chance to compete for a spot, yeah. not just a depth like. Yep. Insurance no doubt, guy. To me, the guy, the one guy today on this roster that definitely should have had his ears perk up is Marco Rossi. You know, now there is competition because Sam Steele is somebody that can pay, play next to a Matt Boldy, and uh, you know he's had the skill before. And obviously, I think that is one thing that's going to have to you know really get his uh, attention coming into uh, training camp. So the stakes are starting to come off the grill here, Anthony. How are they looking? Well, they look terrific. We. How, how they tasted so far. The first, I think the first wave was the strips and probably a little closer to medium rare than rare plus with them, but I, they sure are tasty. The are ribeyes like, are just coming off, so the, the ribeyes were more expertly prepared. Yes. I, there's no doubt everybody's <laughs> going to like the ribeyes more, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the ribeyes, are, the ribeyes are my preferred cut of meat. I, I, I'm a, more of a ribeye guy than a strip guy, but I Sorry, have... the excuses coming out. No, no, you no, no but I have become a big fan more of. of a strip fan since... Because of the Akaushi strips from Kowalski's, the Aka, they have, they're the closest thing to the ribeye flavor in a strip that I've ever seen. And, that, and these were, the marbling in these was terrific. So, I don't know, what, give me like an idea. How 
What do you guys think of the strips? Lots of thumbs up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a lot. Silent thumbs crowd up now, today. Now, it'll be like a roar when they get the ribeyes. By the way, I didn't mention, uh, but there's also bottles of water there. There's bubblies, all sorts of stuff if you want to yeah, grab. The, um, I should um, ask, the, it, is this a new addition at Kowalski's, the little sparkling water things? Okay, I just saw them the other day. At they were up near the checkout at my local Kowalski's, and I grabbed them for the first time, and they're terrific. Just little like flavored spring water, basically like you know flavored sparkling water. But yeah. they're really good. The apparently Meyer, our, the Meyer lemon one is phenomenal. Apparently, our mutual friend Brian's at the Shoreview uh, Kowalski's right now, waiting for us. Well, tell so. him to pick up a Meyer lemon sparkling water; yeah. and he'll be fine. Um, so. Uh, by the way, I didn't mention there's a live mic over there. If you have a, if you have questions for Anthony and me about uh, grilling or uh, hockey or whatever you want to uh, whatever you want to talk about, um, how's it looking, Anthony? Unbelievable. The ribeyes. Yeah, yeah. One of you guys should deliver at least a taste of that to no, I'm Michael good. Russo. I'm good right now. I'll have after. People don't want to hear me chewing on here. I think that was the biggest criticism of last year's show is that Dan and me were eating during the show. Um, so. You know who hears all that stuff is Russo Slacks. He's, I don't know if he listens to it on like full blast, but anything I'm doing during a show, well, it he sounds knows. like a Brandon issue to me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so I'm trying to think. Nothing else happened other than Sam Steele uh, coming into the coming into the lineup from last week's show, right, Anthony? Yeah, there wasn't much. There were. Uh, I thought the there's a little NHL news, if I remember right, right after our last show. I remember watching the. NHL Network that night and thinking well, that, well, like, yeah, no, it was the it, that was two shows ago. It was Kadri, Sonic Calgary, and that whole thing. No, it was some other stuff, and I should have written it down at the time because I thought it was. <laughs> oh, that was interesting. That might have been interesting to yeah, talk yeah, it about might today. Have been interesting to talk about. Um, I will say that um, that you know, uh, first of all, uh, training camp is round the corner. Like I don't know what it is about this date, like August thirtieth, August thirty first, but that second that calendar turns to September 1st, I get like super amped. And to me, it's it August 15th that when two a days start for high school football, oh, like yeah. that's the end of summer for yeah. me. And now it's, you're into scramble mode from there to the start of the hockey season. Yeah. So I'm excited. Uh, today I had, uh, I got a coffee with uh, Brock Besser for a big story that I'm working on. I'll run next week. Um, got another story, really big story. That's going to run September 7th. We have a huge announcement at the athletic on September 8th. I mentioned on last week's show, um, I mentioned, so I had Nate Prosser on the fan the other day, and we talked a lot about his podcast on this network. Um, I'm also going to be on the fan on uh, September 5th hosting a show, and Dylan Laux, uh, who's here in the audience today, will be on it from Gopher Hole. We'll talk uh, Sam Walker and uh, Brock Faber and uh, all sorts of stuff uh, about prospects and things like that. And I know that Dylan... Come on up. You're a big fan of uh, you. What's really funny about Dylan is so Dylan in July, after I tweeted about the Wilds' interest in um, Sam Steele, you actually put together. You texted me. You put together a bunch of uh, a bunch of um, analytics for him, and you actually are in favor of this as being a, a, like a low risk upside move. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, when I first dug into it, I saw that he's very good on faceoffs, which is obviously something that the Wild really need. Um, but he's, he was trusted always on both sides, like defensive and offensive zone. Um, he could play on the penalty kill, which we need as well. Um, but, yeah, obviously there's still that offensive potential there. I mean, he was a 50-goal scorer in juniors, and I believe he was a 30th overall pick, so a first-rounder with lots of potential. And even if it's in the bottom six, he'll probably get an opportunity to play with younger guys and 
maybe show off that skill. Right. So that's a, I mean, that was to me the most interesting thing that you put because when when I was reporting that they had interest, you you figure that he's going to be in a bottom six role, which is obviously very different than. And we saw with Tyson Jost last year, he just couldn't gain traction because he's a skilled guy playing in that bottom six role. But in your belief, you think that a guy like uh, Sam Steele could actually fit in that that position if he has to play by his time, fourth line, third line? Yeah, I, I think there was a bit of a different situation even in Anaheim. Like, Even though he's in the bottom six, the guys he was playing with down there weren't really young younger guys, whereas here he's playing with maybe a Duar. Yeah. Maybe he gets time with Boldy or Rossi, maybe even... Goudreau, um, it's a little bit different than playing with those like 30-year-old veteran guys in Anaheim and not getting that much chance to really show off his skill, his speed, things like that. You could uh, follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan Lauks, L-O-U-C-K-S. Um, Dylan, so you cover the Gophers for Gopher Hole. Um, t- tell us about uh, uh, Sam Walker and uh, Brock Faber, two guys the Wild picked up last year. You've covered uh, pretty much every single minute of their college careers. Yeah, um, Sammy is one of us, like one of the smaller forwards, but he's got a lot of speed. I mean, if there's one thing that definitely jumps out right away is the, the, just his speed, the way he moves on the ice. And there's a couple times this year where he moved from center to right wing. Um, he shoots right, and that was just to open up more lanes for him to really show off his speed. I th- I can't remember the exact date. I think it was in November. He moved to the right side and scored off the rush on the right side against Penn State, and that was like a really big goal. They ended up winning that game. Um, he was second on the team in faceoffs. I know he was kind of seen as an offensive guy, but he played very good, very good defense too. He was trusted. Um, he was second on the team in accurate passes, so he's got you know passing ability, good rush, off the rush two entries, and I think he was actually second on the team in shots behind McLaughlin, and a lot of the offensive stats, he was pretty much second on the team and behind Ben Myers. But And then uh, Faber. Let me just interrupt you for a second. For, on Walker, so you, you mentioned all the, the analytics there. I mean, do you, so I know you do your own models and things like that. How do you do that without, do, I mean, do you do that off video, or, or are you doing that live during games, or how do you uh, get all this data? That's that's all live. Is that or not. secret? So, <laughs> a lot of, a lot a of analytic goals. people don't like to give away their secrets, Anthony. Um, yeah, it, when I'm at, when I'm watching games, I'm tracking it by hand, just pen and paper, tracking down shots, where they're coming from, things like that. Um, we also have stat guys at the U who track where shots are too. So I can kind of, you know, compare where I have my shots, where they have theirs. And then I assess my own values to that. Um, the defensive metrics, some of those I don't come up with. Um, I'm working on it, but I use instat hockey, which is a, Great, great program, and there's lots of defensive stats that I'll pull off and make my own like visuals for it. That's what I've put in a couple articles. But the offensive are based on an uh, unexpected goals model I created, so that's where I get all like the expected goals for things like that. Do they? I I haven't covered a Gopher game in person for a couple of years, for a lot of years, but we did a few during the pandemic. And it was a little different. They used to do the score sheets. The old school, like by hand, you'd get the sheet at the intermission that would have number 14 took a shot from here. Do they still, is that still how they track that? Yeah, it it is, but I think they, they start to use computers now and they print it out. So you're not just getting like a, you know, pen marks on a paper, but <laughs> it still says number 14 shot, things like that. So it's, uh, um, 
I still remember my favorite part of covering those scams during the 2012 season is I made them get a coffee machine for the press box game. That was the biggest thing Brian Deutsch got. The caribou I don't even remember the coffee machine up there. Yeah, for 2012-13 season. Yeah, that's probably why would it, the, yeah. my last year doing their games would have been eleven twelve. Yep. So that's it would have after yep. that. They, they knew right away that I was going to shit on Twitter if uh, <laughs> if uh, if uh, they didn't have it. Sorry for the kids in the crowd. Looking for a one-stop shop for all your home service needs? Well, my friends over at Aquarius Home Services provide the highest quality water treatment, plumbing, heating and cooling, and electrical services. They pride themselves on providing superior customer service. They respect you, your time, and attention to details that really make a difference. Not only do they provide superior customer service, but their 100% performance guarantee is backed by the best material, product, and labor warranties in the business. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. Looking for a company you could trust for your water treatment, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical systems? Well, contact Aquarius at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention, Russo sent you. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with the Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash Royal Challenge, insured by NCUA. Uh, tell us about Brock Faber. Yeah, um, I know people kind of view him as a defensive guy, but I think there's still offensive potential there. I mean, sometimes this year he would shock you. Like he, would, he was always good at breaking the puck out on his own zone, but sometimes he would want to just take that rush and he'd fly down, fly down the ice and, and get a shot off. And it, you sit up in the press box like, wow, I wish he just did that all the time. But he's very good defensively. Um, when I talked to him, he told me he models his game after McAvoy. He models it off of Brodeen, and now he'll – eventually get a chance to play with Brody and um, yeah, just super good defensively. He's a great leader. Everyone, everyone in the locker room loves him the way he handles himself. Um, still lots of, lots of potential. I know a lot of people rave about that defensive ability. And I think this year will be a great step for him. He's got a C on his Jersey now really taking the next step as a leader. So what do you think of the Gophers this season? I think they will be preseason big 10 favorites. Um, We'll have to see where they are in NCAA, but I definitely think Big Ten is probably theirs. I mean, Michigan lost a lot. Gophers did lose a lot, but not nearly as much as Michigan did. Um, I think they'll still be a very, very good team. They'll probably, they might start the same way as they did last year. I think they have like seven incoming freshman forwards, which is a lot. So there's not a, not a lot of veteran guys there, but young guys are good and exciting. What are the early reviews on the ribeyes? Did you guys get ribeyes now? They're pretty solid, aren't they? Expertly grilled, too, by Troy. But Yeah, so let's say, it's, uh, like, what do you like more, the strips or the ribeyes? Show of hands. Ribeyes? Uh-oh. <laughs> wow, even the cars. Yep. Oh, the, car, the cars votes. Now, the, is it because of yep. the, the actual meat, because most people like ribeyes over strips, or is it because it was just better cooked? What would you say? Yeah, I'm sure better it, was, it was better prepared. Yeah, there you go, without a doubt. <laughs> what did you think, Troy? Did, did you try them both? No way! Wow. So Troy preferred the strip. Look at that. I think they're both they're both good. You can't miss. We've got some fillets on the grill now, and uh, are you going to throw on those sirloins? the The sirloins is one he was talking about earlier. That some of those are 
even up to 60-day age, but the fillets look terrific. So save some room. Yeah, no doubt. I still so have to go to dinner after this. We so. have, uh, we do have a mic over here. If any of the fans and attendants yeah. have questions they'd like to ask, or come on over and. But these fillets look terrific. I, I'm typically I'm more of a, a ribeye or strip guy over a fillet, but sometimes they're just hard to top. What's your name? Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy, thanks for coming. Hey, um, I was just curious if you knew what Kyle Rao was up to this upcoming season. Last I heard, he didn't know what he was going to do this year. Um, you know. Um, you know, the one thing about Europe right now is that the money isn't as good as it used to be. Um, you know, before you could go over there and make probably four or five hundred grand tax free, get treated like a king. It's not that easy uh, for imports anymore, uh, depending on your situation and your stature, and certainly not the KHL. Um, you know, there's a lot of nightmare situations there. Casey Wallman was just on Nate Prosser's podcast talking about some. Some unbelievable, you know, him, I mean, him not getting paid and things like that. I mean, that one was was crazy. By the way, if you missed my interview with Prosser the other day, he talked a lot about all the different episodes that he's done on the, the Pross Box here on this Talk North Network. And uh, some of the stories and the players that he has are just awesome. And what's cool about that is a lot of his guests are, player, are people that we've even had or I've had on other podcasts. But when you're sitting down with a former teammate, you're getting a lot of different stories than you're going to get when you're talking to Michael Russo. So... Um, yeah, so right now I don't know what Kyle Rouse up to. Thank you. Okay. Um, any other questions? My morning jacket guy, you have a question? He didn't even hear me. He's like me at a restaurant. Here we go. They come up and ask a question. We got gift cards. So oh, gift maybe, cards. Nice. Maybe we'll incentivize them a little bit. There you go. That'll get you up there. Howdy, howdy. What's up? Not What's a whole name? lot. Uh, I'm Lake. Lake. Uh, oh, Lake. Yeah, we've interacted a few yeah, times. Yeah. I got to get... I was talking to the best... I was talking to somebody about you the other day that said to me, yeah, I'm friends with Lake. And I'm like, the only time I've ever seen Lake, he, he like tweeted me, yeah, I walked, or walked by you on an airplane. It was that flight from Denver where it was super snowy on the highway and they right. just didn't get onto it. Yeah. And that landing was terrible. Yeah, I gotta yeah, give you, it was brutal. Uh, big thanks, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Uh, but you tweeted me like, yeah, I, w- I was going to say hi. I walked by him. I'm like, well, next time just say hi. So, I was early. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got to give thanks. Yeah, I was I'm, probably in a bad mood. That's true. I gotta give thanks to you. By the way, I'm uh, just got admitted to St. Thomas for law two years nice. ago. I, I asked you and Garen just like how does someone outside of hockey get into it? Nice, and uh, that put me on that path. So oh, thanks cool. a whole lot. Very cool. I got a pair of questions for Did you. Did I tell you how to get in for law? No, no, that no. Was... no. Get into hockey. Oh, okay, hockey. Garen, Garen said get your business graduate or get okay. your business undergrad. Go to law. Okay, cool. And I took a screenshot of that and a screen record. So. Nice. Very Anyways, cool. uh, at their height of their powers, assuming Rossi and Boldy are together. What center winger duo do you see them emulate? Oh, Anthony, what do you think? Well, t- yeah, that's yeah, it's, tough. It's, it's way too early, I think, to start making comparisons like that. I yeah. mean, I, I have no idea. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I wouldn't I, even I, be able to give you a winger that I think Boldy's going to emulate. Yeah, it's, Boldy to me, uh, yeah. Um, and in terms of the other, like Rossi, like I, I really have to see Rossi. Like, like I've covered Rossi two NHL games, I've seen a bunch of highlights of him on. Obviously, YouTube uh, gifts and things like that. But, you know, even watching him in development camp and training camp, it's like, you, you know, you don't really get a true sense of what type of player he is. So it's hard to say yet until we see him perform at a high level in National Hockey League, what even type of player he's going to be like. Um, I do see that he, I feel, I mean, he's super smart, um, you know, really, really good passer, um, you know, great hands, things like that. But in terms of like coming up with like comparables, I don't know if I'm, I'd be able to. Well, and his off ice work ethic leads you to believe that he'll have some strength to him when mm-hmm. he he's still young. He's going to mature. Yeah. 
like we saw from Boldy yeah. from would have been 21 to 22. I think we'll see that same thing from Rossi here over the next year, year and a half. And it's way too early to start making comparisons, but I do think it'll be fun to watch those two develop, assuming that they do play yeah. together. Troy's throwing a bunch of fillets on right now. That if you oh, go those are sirloins. Some of these, oh, those are sirloins? Yeah, the fillets are already on. Okay. How do they taste? Well, they're not done yet. Okay. I'll have, uh, I'll have one of those, medium rare, with a little uh, spinach, a little sure. spinach and a Sauteed small salad. Spinach. Um, <laughs> Maybe some steamed broccoli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another question, Lee? Yeah, what's been your favorite part of interacting and working with Bill Guerin, just as, you know, working on the journalist side, working on the yeah. broadcast side? Um, my favorite part is that you can text him in Spain at, in the middle of the night there, and he'll call you back. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, a lot of GMs would be like, yeah, we'll have a conference call in a couple days or thing like that. Um, so that's part of it. Um, you know, I like his no BS attitude. I mean, you know, like he just, he doesn't sugarcoat things, you know, today, um, we had a debate about something I wanted to write and I gave my two cents. He gave his two cents. He's not going to hold it against me if I, if I go the other way, um, well, he might hold it against you. Yeah. But. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, to me, like, you know, I had this, I had this same relationship with Brian Murray, you know, you as a beat writer and a GM, you know, you're going to butt heads and you've got to, um, you, but you've got to continue to communicate and be able to, uh, work together. And, uh, you know, if, if you're, if he's pissed with me, if I'm pissed with him, it's got to come out or it's just going to fester. And I've been in situations where it festers into, um, an eruption. Yeah. I mean, he's, there are times where he'll just say, I'm not going to tell you, or yeah. I'm not going to say anything more about that. But yep. he, he won't lie to you. Yep. He's always honest. I like that. And I had the same experience with him. It was pretty early in his time. And every once in a while, I'll text the general manager if I have, might be a roster question or just a, hey, for clarification, I want to make sure we say this right or define this right. And there was one day, it was a game day, and I remember I had texted him as I was leaving the rink in the morning. And then I was driving to Lifetime. I always, on home game days, I go work out after morning skate before I go back to the rink. And all of a sudden, I'm driving down the street, and my phone rings, and it's him calling me. And he's like, yeah, I was about to reply to your text. I just thought I'd call you instead. Yeah. I hope that's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that'll that be fine. <laughs> I don't want to bother yeah. you on game day, but here, here are my questions. Yeah, that, that actually is a cool, awesome personality trait of his, is that if, uh, you know, he'll just – you text him, he would rather call you back and explain it than just put a text that might not, you know, express everything that he's thinking at the time and turn things like it. You know, the other thing with it, I mean, the guy, um, you know, beyond being accessible, I mean, he is, he's absolutely like an everyman. Like, uh, you know, he is the type of person that you could sit down with, with a beer and, and eat and it's totally not intimidating. And, and, um, you know, this is, this is the first GM that I covered that I also covered as a player, obviously not personally. I never covered, you know, all the teams that he was on, but I always had a great relationship when he was a player. Um, and, and he's always a player that I absolutely enjoyed watching as a player. Like he, that big right shot forward. That was what I always grew up as like, just loving as any, any player. I just, have, there's always about something about right-handed shot guys that I've always liked. And uh, so I, uh, I always thought that he was just a fabulous, fabulous player, a true power forward, mean as, you know, heck. Um, and and he, brings that, he brings that grit to the front office as well. So uh, that's been the best part. 
Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. If you're thinking about selling your home, now is the time. Now is the time. Now you can get a strong cash offer, sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer with Chris Lindahl Real Estate. You know him, the big, the guy on the billboards with his arms out. I know, you play, yeah, yep, he used to beat you in basketball, I bet. Yeah. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindahl today. Go to chrislindahl.com, fill out a quick form, receive an all-cash offer on your home today, no obligation. And the guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home hassle-free. That means no showings, no open houses, no stress. Just choose when you want to move, and you will uh, do that with absolute confidence. The Chris Lindahl Real Estate Guaranteed Offer keeps you in control. It's that simple. Go to chrislindahl.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today so you can start packing. Certain restrictions apply. Brandon Morton look-alike. Look right here. Yeah. You look like our, our regular day producer. Oh. Yeah, doesn't he, Karen? Yeah. It could be his brother. Hi, y'all. Um, so we all, y'all, like, though. know the game, being around, playing the game. We all have these opinions. I'm curious with... You and Anthony, though, who breathe the pro game so much, what do you think really separates the championship or like what you some might call an elite team as compared to the a team like Minnesota, who's pretty much always outside looking in? Yeah, like what? It's a broad yeah, question. That's, no, I get that's a that. great question. I'm just curious um, as, since you guys are around the pros so much. And it's and it's interesting because I've I've covered a lot of good teams. I, you know, first team I ever covered went to the Stanley Cup final in ninety five ninety six. Um, and I've covered I covered every Stanley Cup final from ninety five to oh seven, and then uh, twenty sixteen seventeen. Obviously, this past year, and the one com I mean, what do you like? The one common denominator of all those teams is that when they get to that point, they are an absolute machine. Like they just, it's it's like almost a symbiotic nature. I felt that way about Colorado last year, the way they rolled lines and things like that in the playoffs. Um, same thing with Tampa up until that point. And I don't know what it is about when the Wild get in the playoffs that causes people to just sort of go into um, individualistic play. They can't lift themselves up to the moment. And I don't know what it is because this team should have been much, much better. I, I've said this a couple times on this podcast that, this was the most disappointing wild playoff run that I've ever covered. Yeah, I agree with that, except that the team that beat them was, yeah, they were they were about the same. Yeah, they, they didn't. The, to me, the season that but nineteen is, of the twenty players on the wild played like crap. I, but the the to me the season that that I would that I was the only time really that I would call it a disappointment was the year they lost to St. Louis when Mike Yo was in St. Louis. That wild team was so much better than the Blues that right. season. Every other time they've lost in the playoffs, the team that's beaten them 
I mean, you could but argue that's has not been better change. than them. In well, this division, they're going to every year have to go up against the buzzsaw. So every year you can't say if they no. lost, well, that team was just as good. No, like, at some point you've got to step right. up Absolutely. as players. Without you know? a doubt. But I'm just saying, think about the – I don't think it's a flaw necessarily with the Wild. I think it's just been a reality. They ran into Chicago the first three years of their playoff runs, and two of those years Chicago won the Cup. Yep. And if you want to win the Cup, you got to be able to beat the best. But – it looks like earlier exits than normal just because you happen to run into those teams in the early stages of the yeah. playoffs. And, and I, think, I don't think this year you'd look at it and say it was indicative of a failure for the Wild. They, the Blues were probably just as good a team as Minnesota. I think Minnesota should have won the series. I think they, they got outplayed in some areas that they shouldn't have been outplayed. Probably got outcoached in yeah, the, in well, the that, series. Yeah, that was my next common and, denominator is that is – that, Adjustments, adjustments, yeah, adjustments. The Blues, the the Blues did a great job yeah. of it. And yeah. I got to tell you, I'm a little distracted by that answer because the first couple fillets came off, and holy cow. Did they look good? Is it, Well, I don't know about how they look, but they tasted dynamite. Nice. All right, I'm going to have to definitely catch up when this podcast is over. Yeah. Yep. Jack? So kind of um, off, kind of going off prospects and stuff, too, because that's been kind of the only things we've been able to talk about this offseason. Um, there's a couple of prospects at Boston College that were drafted by the previous regime that a lot of people don't really talk about as much to in Marshall Warren and Nikita Nesterenko. Just curious to say what uh, Bill Guerin and Judd Rack and the rest of the amateur scouting staff think of those two and they're potentially guys they could sign at the end of the season or mm-hmm. what they're or become or leave. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I'll be interested. Uh, my gut without having any intel whatsoever is that Marshall Warren who you know is going to go back and say why should I sign with Minnesota when they got eight defensive prospects right? Nick Nesterenko's this will be a big year for him. Um, I like him every time I watch him on TV. I think he's. I mean, do you see a lot of him, Dylan? I mean, yeah. I mean, to me, he looks like a player. Um, you know, I, I don't. I'd love to know more. I hope the Wild sign him because I really am fascinated by his story. You know, he's he's based, he's Russian, but grew up, I believe grew up in Long Island. Um, I could be getting that completely wrong, but if, um, you know, I just, I know he's basically, you know, lived here for a long, long time. Um, but to answer your question on like how bracket season, let's put it this way. If, if the wild don't look to sign him, you're probably knowing that bracket and those, and those, those scouts over there on the, which the wild have a ton on that Eastern seaboard. Um, you know, they see him a ton. They probably are just saying he's not, they're not players. Right. Um, but the Warren one would shock me, and I think he's a heck of a player too. I mean, a guy could fly too. Um, he's a fascinating guy too. He's got—I think—he's got his own podcast and all that type of stuff. So, Michael, I got to put Troy back on the mic okay. because we got to talk about these fillets for a second. Uh, so, number one, we season them again, just salt and pepper. But now with fillets, I typically I like them less cooked. They're so tender, so flavorful. I, I mean, I'm like rare, like one fifteen. What, what's your plan of attack with these? Yeah, I generally cook. Filet is a little bit more rare than I would a strip or a ribeye or a top sirloin for sure. Um, it's such a rich piece of meat. You only need five, six, eight ounces is, is an awful lot. And keeping them more rare, I think, is the way to go there for sure. So you go like more like the between 115, 120 then. Are you a let them rest guy or do you cut them right away? I generally do let them rest, but I'm just trying to feed people here. So I'm, I'm not resting yeah. maybe as long as I normally would. But a lot, lot of times at home, it's at least 10 minutes. Do you really? I do, yeah. yeah. I typically am not a big let it rest. Maybe a minute or two while I get the other things plated that we're serving with dinner that night. I'm more of a 
get them off the grill and let's go. Uh, what, what's the what's the belief behind letting them rest? So in that resting period, generally the you, you allow the juices to redistribute into the meat, and that's really the biggest reason why you're supposed to rest meat. Like if I cook a big chunk of prime rib, it's a half an hour to let that thing rest, and that's a wow. di- completely different piece of meat. Obviously, that tenderloin's a less dense muscle, so I think you're going to get that redistribution yeah. a little bit faster. Well, but, whatever it is, these the the taste of these. Did you taste the fillet? Yeah, they turned out phenomenal. And Anthony cooked them. Yeah, I did cook them, but so the fillet. I also like to. I do a lot more the where the strips and the ribeyes all kind of leave undisturbed. I mean, I'll twist them a little bit just because I like the crisscross look of the grill grate. But on the fillets, I like to rotate them around a lot more often. I'll even cook them with the grill top closed to. It's a little bit more of a slow cook almost than a high heat sear on the outside. Yep, and, and they're generally speaking a little bit thicker than a ribeye or a strip, right? To get to get a six or eight ounce fillet out of the center of the the tenderloin, it's going to be two two and a half inches. So you're going to have to sear all sides of it. Where your ribeye or strip, it's two one sides, side, yeah. one side, and you're done. So uh, questions from Twitter, Anthony. All right, um, this is from Kevin Gustafson. It's my favorite question in the history of Twitter questions. Has Anthony ever admitted you were right about anything? Oh, absolutely I have. All right, cool. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's Neither happened. can I, actually. <laughs> um, all right, let's go some more Twitter questions. Um, Nago asks, uh, who does Kalen Addison need to perform better than to make uh, to the lineup with the Minnesota Wild consider him a full-time bottom pairing role? I mean, John Merrill's not going to be ready for the season, so Kalen Addison has an incredible chance to make the team. The Wild's power play was garbage last season, so Kalen Addison has an incredible chance to make the team. Um, so really, I think he has a chance, but he's got to play his way on. Yeah. And it's no a, it's a deep yeah. defensive core. You've talked because about Kulikov the prospects. and Goligoski are still here, so they're going to they come are. into the team expecting to and start. And you got to outplay them. Yep, it's that simple. Um, predictions on Ryan Hartman. This is from uh, Sukas Tather. I know I'm mispronouncing everybody on Twitter. Predictions: Is it another thirty goal season realistic? I think it is, Anthony. Yeah, I do too. Like I don't like this is a young guy. Um, you know, he's, I don't, this is not your, like a 32 year old that scored 34. This right. is somebody still in his mid to late twenties, former first round pick. Likely actually, to start actually, the that's season. That's my big, biggest pet peeve is calling somebody a former first round pick. They're a first round pick. Um, but, but he uh, likely to start the season with the same line yep. mates and didn't get a ton of power play opportunities mm-hmm. early. I would assume that we'll probably see a little bit more yep. of that this year, but you, he scored did most of his damage at even strength, and I think it's realistic to think that he'll be somewhere in the neighborhood. I mean, he, if he scores 28, it isn't yep. like he had a failed season, but I also wouldn't surprise me if he scored 35. Yeah. Um, Automatic 21 says, do you know if Sam Steele is cleared from any of the Team Canada World Juniors scandal? Um, so the scandal uh, from a couple years ago, which is uh, unbelievably serious, um, Sam Steele was on that team and obviously part of uh, um, the, the camp that led up to it where this incident allegedly happened. Um, and uh, the Wild, as I mentioned, showed first interest in him on July 13th. They signed him on August 30th. Um, talking to people, um, I believe the Wild were doing a lot of due diligence in that time. And again, take it for what it's worth because this isn't a this doesn't wipe you clean, but he is publicly through his agent, Jerry Johansson, denied that he was part of this incident as well. So obviously the investigation is ongoing. Um, uh, you know, trust me, I asked uh, Garen about that today, and he is confident that that he was not part of this. So 
um, you know, until that investigation proves, um, you know, something, um, you know, we'll all sit there and assume that he's innocent before being guilty. That's for sure. Um, Anthony, what, Gibbs, you're going to, I was just going to ask what the feedback was from the crowd on the fillets. Cause I think they're tasting the fillets for the first time right here. Dylan, it, they're really good. Aren't they? Um, Open competition for Boldy Center, Derek asks. Who's the best chance to open the season at that spot? Assuming it's between Goudreau, Rossi, and Steele, uh, I would concur. Um, you have a, what's your? I still think that Rossi gets it, but who knows? Yeah, I think he'd. Have, I think I know the Wild will never phrase it this way. I think he'd have to play his way out of that spot. Yeah, where I think most other guys we're talking about have to play their way into the lineup or in onto the roster. I think he'll be given every opportunity to earn that spot and would almost have to play his way out of it to start anywhere else in the lineup yeah. on opening night. Uh, Liam asks, uh, with all the retiring jerseys, talk to the Wild at some point, retire Fleury's number 29. Uh, no, that would be the Penguins. Obviously, Fleury would not, uh, you know, he, he won't be here long enough. Uh, it doesn't matter. I've covered in Florida a ton of Hall of Famers down there, actually, and, and you know, you're, you get your number retired where you, you know, create that. That pedigree. Carson asks, besides Anthony, who is your favorite play-by-play person to listen to in the NHL? That's a good question. Who's yours, Anthony? I love Chris Cuthbert. I like Gordon Miller. Um, I'm a big Jeff Rimmer guy. Uh, I think he's I, unique. I actually like uh, I like a couple of the old school guys that are on the radio. Me too. I love the guys in Toronto and Montreal yeah. on the radio. I think those guys are phenomenal. I actually... One of the guys who's kind of a, a younger guy, in fact, he's, he's I think he started a year after me as Jack Michaels in Edmonton. Yes, he's outstanding. I think he's really good, and he's now switched over where he's doing TV. He was a radio guy when he first started. Uh, those guys are some of my yeah. favorites. Um, I love uh, Dan and Randy in San Jose. I think they're outstanding. Uh, I mean, Kenny Albert, everybody knows um, what I think of him. Um, yeah, and, and I to be I like Kenny better on the radio than I do on TV. I think on the radio he's yeah, really he good. Paints a good picture. Yep, I think um, he's really good. Um, I'm trying to think, there was one other. Oh, Ralph Strangis. He's not in the game right now, but I just think he's he's unreal. Um, Mark asks, we get this a lot. Uh, if I wanted to travel to a wild game, where would you recommend as a visitor fan friendly place, Anthony? Um, Assuming to. that you got the night before off and a game, so we'd be comparing apples to apples, so that I would Montreal is phenomenal because uh, Montreal to me is um, we talk about the unique nature of trips to Nashville or to Vegas, and they are because they're different than going to Chicago or New York or Boston. But Montreal, you feel like you've gone to Europe when you when you go to Montreal, especially go down into old Montreal. And then the atmosphere in the building is phenomenal. It's they are the entire town is hockey. The fans are talking about it on the street. You go to breakfast, and the waitress knows who's playing that night. It's it's a cool atmosphere in Montreal, I guess. If you had one night and then a game night, that and and then in the U.S., I'm I love going to Boston. I love the restaurants in Boston, and the they have a good atmosphere inside their building too. But it's just such a great town to visit. It's a great walk around town, take the Freedom Trail, all that stuff. Those would be my top two. Yeah, um, fan-friendly. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about fan-friendly. I, I don't know what fan-friendly means. It, it's Not getting killed uh, if you're wearing the team's jersey, probably. Well, um, that wouldn't happen in Montreal. Boston, yeah. you might get harassed some, but I don't think they'd injure you. Yeah, Philly. Um, <laughs> um, Philly, I would not wear a yeah. wild jersey to the game. I mean, yeah, um, 
trying to think fan like fan like obviously we're never in the stands but i mean you know i i am one of those people i like love going to like place all the warm weather like arizona all the california like yeah, all if that. you're in january yeah. it would be great to yeah. go to those cities i'm just thinking about if you are just picking a place where you're because i always look at the schedule and it's hey this trip i'm looking forward to because we have two off nights or so eliminating all that kind of stuff yeah, I mean, going to Tampa is great because in yeah. the middle of the hockey season, visiting Tampa or Fort Lauderdale is terrific. But I think for the experience in the city, I'd pick Montreal or Boston. That makes sense. Um, any other questions before we uh, wrap up the show with Troy and Anthony over there? We're going to, uh, there's got to be some more questions. Nobody? Papa Lauks? No? <laughs> Make sure you try the sirloin before you go, too. The yeah. sirloin is, we've got, we've got plenty of steak. You know who I'm shocked didn't come out here was Kevin Falness because I figured this would be the only way that he would get you to cook something for him. Yeah, that's true. I I probably would have just had somebody else cook his steak. <laughs> or put something in it. Um, here, have this one. So, right, try that one. Yep. So anything um, more you guys want to say? Obviously, I mean, Kowalski's, we know your um, absolute admiration for this place. You shop here. I do, and I always have. I was just talking with Troy beforehand. He used to manage the store in White Bear Lake, and before they opened the Shoreview branch, that's where I'd go to get meat and fish. It's yeah. the the quality is such that I mean, I obviously right now we certainly appreciate their partnership with us and their sponsorship of our show. But it's I'd be shopping there anyway. It's this is the best place to go to get the the best ingredients when you're making a great meal. Nice, nice, Troy. Anything more to? Are you still based in the Woodbury one? Yeah, I, yeah. I office out of the Woodbury store. That's where our corporate office is. But I, nice. I just want to say it's thanks to both of you guys. You guys do a great job as ambassadors for for our company and as sponsors of a of your show. We we're, we're really proud to be on your show and and proud to have you guys as sponsors. So thank you so much for what you do. Uh, we really appreciate the support. Thanks, uh, Troy and Anthony. Uh, great job on the grill tonight. Thanks to everybody that came out here on this uh, beautiful night here in uh, Uptown. And thanks to Kowalski's for having us again. Our next live show, September 12th, my mom's birthday at Tuttle's. Uh, very much looking forward to that one. Uh, training camp's going to be right around the corner. We're going to have a lot to talk about on that show as well because I have a huge story coming out in The Athletic on the 7th. Uh, we're going to be unveiling our new uh, co-Minnesota Wild beat writer um, and national writer on the 8th. And on September 12th, I also have a um, huge story that's going to be running on, uh, well, I mentioned I'm having coffee today. I had coffee today with Brock Besser, and that story, that sit-down was as gripping a one as I've ever had with him, and that story is going to run on September 12th, obviously, on the NHL portal and the athletic, uh, the Minnesota portal and uh, the vertical, and also uh, the Vancouver one as well. So um, thanks for everybody for coming. Thanks to our sponsors, um, as always, Grain Belt Aquarius, Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Royal Credit Union, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm. Thanks to Brienne and, of course, Kowalski's for having us. Talk to you on September 12th, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win All but the world won't forgive a winner 
know who hears all that stuff is Russo Slacks. He's, I don't know if he listens to it on like full blast, but anything I'm doing during a show, he knows.